warm welcome to episode one of the Uxbridge FM podcast. Coming out once a month, we'll be chatting about what's going on in the area. Please do get involved in future episodes. I'll pop the contact details at the end. Oh, and if you're from Uxbridge, Ontario, because this goes out worldwide, I'm sorry, you're more than welcome to listen, but we're Uxbridge in Middlesex in the UK. Coming up, we'll be chatting about pubs reopening, gardening, there's news from Iver Environment Centre, the Colne Valley Park. We'll catch up with the managers of the shopping centres in the town about their reopening plans. We've got view from a houseboat at Little Britain Lake and charity shops reopening too. So pop the kettle on and catch up. So what are you most looking forward to post lockdown? Visiting your favourite shop, getting your hair cut or going to the pub? Now, a few of the pubs in the local area with outside space are opening on April the 12th. We'll need to pre-book, of course, and if it rains, you're stuck outside, but never mind. Let's have a chat with Martin Howard, who's general manager at the Koi Carp, located just up the canal from Uxbridge at Harefield. Martin, what's your plans for reopening? We're open on, on the 12th of April. Um, obviously, with the government rulings, it's outside only. And a lot of it will depend on the weather. If it's raining, pouring a rain, then, then I'm guessing nobody will turn up and we won't open those days. Um, but let's keep our fingers crossed that obviously we have a bit of sun. Uh, we've got a large outside area. Well, it's a bit different. I only took over during the lockdown last year. So uh, I've actually just stripped it back. You, if you're in the garden, you can now see the river and the, and the canal both sides because it was overgrown before. Um, big trees and stuff. So we've cut all that back and there is, it's a lot nicer for sitting in the, in the garden now. It's been a long time since anything's been done to the place. Um, I think we can probably seat about 140 outside in one go. We've got a canopy um, and then also we've got two big jumbrellas in the uh, the middle patio area. But then I've also ordered a load. I've got a couple more jumbrellas, so large ones coming for another patio area and uh, and loads of other um, umbrellas and stuff coming. Just about every single table will have some sort of covering over it now. There's heaters in the middle section, so the the canopy the jump, and the two jumbrellas have all got heaters in as well, as well as lighting. Oh, nice. What's the sort of food going on? It's a mixture. We've got it's a garden. We call it a garden menu. It's slightly smaller than a normal menu because obviously we've got to be really careful. Obviously, if it rains and we and we can't open them, we lose lots of. Um, Lots of the food if we have to throw anything away. So we've got to be careful now. And um, there's there's a mixture. There's, so you, you've got some starters on there. You've got some uh, baits and seed camembert. You've got uh, tempura prawns. You've got a mushroom and squ- sausage squash roll. A few different things on that. And then you've got selection of main courses. You've got a hunter's chicken schnitzel. Uh, you've got fish and chips. A lot of sort of traditional stuff. Slow-cooked beef and porcini bourguignon, chicken and pie. And then we've got pizzas and burgers and puddings. So a, a really good um, selection for outside, really. Fantastic. Well, I think I'll be booking in. That's great. Thanks, Martin. Yeah, we've got a lot of bookings. Absolutely unbelievable, the amount. Even on the Monday, I've got about 130 books on the Monday already. It's the perfect place to walk along the canal and then stop in for a, a lunch yeah. or, or dinner, isn't it, really? Definitely, definitely, yeah. yeah. You don't get many sort of with, with, a, with a view like you got here. No. So it's really good. There's Martin making our mouths water. So once we've got our hair cut and we've been for a pub lunch, we'll need to go shopping. 
Non-essential shops can reopen on April the 12th, of course. Laurie Taylor is centre manager at What Was Into, now back to being the chimes again. He's expecting things to be busy and has some great advice if you'd like to avoid the peak times. I believe we are going to be very busy. I would definitely, definitely encourage people to come in, but at the same time, think about the times that they're coming to the centre. The schools will be reopened, the colleges, the unis are reopened, and obviously at certain times we are inundated with school children. So if you want to avoid those, between five and six is a good time, early morning's a good time, whereas lunchtime we're going to be busy, we've got the offices hopefully reopening. So look, we welcome everyone back to the centre, albeit slightly differently, and we'd love to see everyone as well. And I guarantee you the retailers at the moment are over the moon, ready to open on Monday. They can't wait. So, you know, really good for the town. And I gather a few shops have closed in the centre during lockdown. Which ones have we lost? Okay, so stores or shops that we've lost are, the big one is the Arcadia Group, that is Topshop, Topman, Burton's and Dorothy Perkins. Debenhams will go, and they'll go at some stage in May, once they've sold out of all the current stock. We've lost two restaurants uh, in the centre, which is Frankie and Benny's, and Chiquito's that was up by the Odeon. And we've lost two restaurants out on the Piazza, which is opposite the uh, council offices, which is Zizi's and Pizza Express. But you've gained a nice uh, soft play cafe. It'll be great for parents with young children. A Halo Play Cafe. So this is a local charity that we've had here for a good couple of years that have now managed to get a unit and are based on the upper mail on the right-hand side near the JD Sports shop. And what they'll be doing is a little cafe in there, and they've also got a little play centre. So we've taken the main soft play that we had in the centre away at the moment, because obviously from the social distancing aspect. But they're going to have a little bit later on, not when we open on the 12th, but probably, I would say, nearer May, a children's play area that children can go in. Are the opening hours staying the same? So at the moment, we're trading in the centre at 9.5. We are going to expand that slightly to 9.6. That should hopefully accommodate all shops throughout the centre, except Little, who have got a longer opening uh, span of 7-7. Eventually, we're going to look at probably early May. We're just going to review the hours, see how everyone is coping, see what the actual footfall is like, and then we'll review and may expand. And is there any plans for the Debenham site at the moment? So... um, Debenhams, as we know, have have gone into administration. They've been in administration for a long time. Unfortunately, they will close at some stage. So they have a certain amount of stock. Soon as they deplete that stock down to zero, they will shut the doors. We're anticipating possibly May sometime. I can't give you a time or date because I don't know how busy they're going to be. But there will be some absolutely fabulous deals. uh, And I'm sure a lot of our customers will want to pop in there and, uh, and see them. It's very disappointing that we're going to lose a big department store from the town, but as you know, there's not a lot we can do about that, unfortunately. No. The other thing I didn't mention, which I think is quite pertinent, is that hopefully 17th of May, we will see the Odeon reopen, and we'll hopefully see Miller's Tap, which is one of our licensed premises out on the piazza, open for trade on the 17th. The restaurants that sit on outside of the centre, until that point, will hopefully trade from the pavement, if the weather's permitting, that'd be quite nice for people to sit out cafe-style outside on the high street. I know you've got some one-way systems in place in the centre to help manage people flow. Tell us about those. Okay, so as you come in the centre, 
we would prefer people to use the right-hand doors, which is entrance only and exit only will be the left-hand doors. Throughout the period of lockdown, majority of people have kept to those flows within the centre. We're not saying it's specific because now that we have social distancing and face coverings, you don't have to keep to the flow, but we would just request people keep to the right-hand side throughout the centre and it just works really well and most people seem to be keeping to that. On each entrance, you'll find a hand sanitising station. Uh, They're all automatic, very easy to use and I think we have one situated at the top next to next. So there's one going up and coming down for people's use as well. Thanks, Laurie. Looking forward to it. It should be uh, a lovely time for all. Just hope for a little bit of decent weather as well. Let's cross over the road and go and visit the pavilions Aaron Bayliss is centre manager there. Hi, Steve. What's your reopening plans looking like? As we've had over 20th century retailers operating during the government restrictions, the pavilions has effectively remained open throughout the pandemic, but we're very much looking forward to welcoming back all of our non-essential retailers once again on Monday the 12th of April, although we'll still have to wait a short while before our restaurants can open for a seated service. Our opening hours have remained unaltered, those being 9 till 6, Monday to Saturday, and 11 until 5 on Sundays. Uh, Although some of our larger stores like M&S, Primark and TK Maxx will be trading until about 8 from Monday, as will selected other stores. And um, regarding the market, when's the plan for that to reopen? I spoke with the managers yesterday and Uxbridge Town Market have confirmed that the majority of their traders will be reopening on Thursday the 15th of April and then every Thursday, Friday and Saturday thereafter. So they should be back with us too. Oh, perfect. Now, I know you've got some one-way systems in place in the centre. Could you tell us about those and which way we're supposed to walk around the centre? So to encourage social distancing, we're operating a uh, simple keep-left system within the pavilions. And although there's no problem with crossing the flow of foot traffic to enter or exit shops, If our customers are able to keep to the left of the available walkways wherever possible, it would be greatly appreciated. We have hand sanitising stations at all of our main entrances, Market Mall, Crown Walk, the entrance to Cedars Car Park, and by the entrance to our lifts to Granges Car Park, as well as some um, uh, additional wall-mounted units. And just to avoid wasted journeys for people coming to shops that aren't opening again, what, what shops have moved out and what are the new ones that have moved in during lockdown? Well, we've been very pleased to welcome Pound Stretcher to the pavilions. They have a brand new store that opened in the former Precox premises on the 17th of December. And more recently, we've welcomed the Nationwide Building Society to their brand new branch, which has opened in the former Brighthouse High Street premises. Although not all related to COVID-19, we've been very sad to see some permanent store closures within recent months at the pavilions, and these would include Bright House, Argos, Bon Marsh, Game, Thorntons, and Peacocks. Yeah, not too bad. Other places seem to have uh, fared a lot worse. Uh, the pavilions has, has got and has always had a uh, value and convenience offer, and that tends to stand up better during the harder times, recessions, and indeed the pandemic than 
other shopping centres that are maybe based on luxury spend or non-essential spend, as we'd, um, we'd now phrase it. So we've been reasonably resilient, although and a lot of these um, closures reflect the individual retailers' national policies rather than local pavilions-related issues. What does your day as a centre manager entail normally? Gosh, being a shopping centre manager is the most fantastic job it's probably the variety which is the the most attractive because you can go from the sublime to the ridiculous dealing with high level financial management for the whole asset right the way down to dealing with customer complaints complaints which don't relate to us i mean the variety is absolutely extraordinary i'm one of those very lucky individuals i enjoy getting up and coming to work each and every day um, and that is a, a, a rarity I've found. But yeah, truly, it is, it is the variety dealing with statutory compliance issues, business compliance issues. Um, we've obviously got a number of customers, not only our, our shopping customers, but our tenants are our customers, our service partners are our customers. It's a truly varied role, and no two days are the same. And even though this is my 30th year working in a shopping centre environment, I've never, no longer say that I've seen it all um, because something can come along that just takes you by surprise. Um, but it's a fantastic job. I work with a fantastic team um, at the Pavilions. It's a great, uh, humble shopping centre. It's um, it's like Ron Seal. It does what it says on the tin. It's a great place to work with great people. Well, best of luck with Monday and the reopening of all the uh, extra shops. I hope it goes well. Thank you very much. I think we're as prepared as we are reasonably able to be and um, Nobody quite knows what to expect, but again, we're, we, we are looking forward to seeing customers coming back through the doors and we very much hope everybody will um, follow all the government guidance until the relaxations are all these. Exactly. Now, also opening on April the 12th are charity shops. And if you're anything like us, you've probably got a stash of stuff waiting to drop off at your local charity shop. Now, something clever is happening with three local charities and their shops. Michael Sabell Hospice, Harlington Hospice and Age UK HHB are combining some of their resources together. To explain this, David Bradala is Head of Retail for them. Hi, David. Hi. So very exciting news that charity shops are reopening. Yeah, fantastic news. We've been waiting for months, as you know. We've had a few false starts, but we are ready to go um, on April the 12th. All our managers are really excited to welcome our customers back again. Now, won't there be a huge inrush of donations with people turning up at the door with sacks and sacks of clothes and things? Yes, there will. Most likely it will follow the same patterns last time. We are fully prepared. We're aware that this might be the situation. The good news, I suppose, is that we don't have to quarantine the clothes anymore, ah. uh, which was the main problem last time causing, uh, causing a backup. We're not expecting to turn, uh, turn any donations away. We know how frustrating that is for customers. And we also have spare storage capacity lined up just in case we do get a, a more than we think. We believe we're well prepared and we can cope with any level of donations this time around. Fantastic news. I know we've got a, a whole car boot full of uh, charity shop stuff that's been driving around for the last few months. I'll just put can, it in the car boot for now. <laughs> you can bring it down. Don't worry. <laughs> now explain to us how you're combining resources with the three local charities. It's really exciting. It, it is the first time in the UK I've been involved in the retail total sector for you know 15 years odd now and this is definitely the first time this has happened 
From a customer's point of view, they will not notice any difference. The charity brands will, will be the same on the high street. If they donate any clothes, they'll be sold for that brand. If they buy anything, the money will go to that particular brand. But behind the scenes is really where, where the savings are. So, for instance, before we did this, each charity had an area manager. Well, now you only need one. Each had a warehouse, you only need one. Each had an online business, you only need one. So by doing that, you can cut a lot of costs. So immediately, all the charities are making money, which goes to fund the services that they offer for the community. There's also the, the more softer benefits as well, that we can swap managers around. Now, you know, somebody's off sick in one, one shop, we can transfer somebody from another shop and they can help manage it. So it has a number of softer benefits as well. But overall, it's a significant saving across the three charities. And do you think other areas will copy your, your template? It sounds a good idea. There is a lot of interest in it. I have been taking quite a few phone calls on it, but it's early days yet. And of course, with COVID, we've not, we've not really had the chance to demonstrate what we know will happen. So I think once we demonstrate that and we show the benefits, there'll be a lot more people coming to us and saying, how can we do this now? Now, I assume you still need volunteers at all the shops and the warehouses. We always need volunteers. You, in my experience, you can never have enough volunteers. And certainly, if anybody would like to volunteer with us, then you know, please contact your local shop. Is there a kind of minimum number of hours you'd like people to do, or can they literally volunteer for, for one day a week or something? Ideally, we'd like them to do a shift, which is a, a four-hour shift either in the morning or the afternoon. We can work with them so it suits them. With volunteering, it has to be a win-win for both parties. So both parties have to get something out of it. And we're pretty flexible, really. And we have lots of opportunities, apart from the day-to-day you know, shop volunteers going on the till, help sort the products, deal with customers. With the online business, which we're also just launching as a joint project, we also need you know, people who have an interest in photography, somebody who might be a stamp expert, a watch expert, a clock expert, all these varying things we, we can make use of. But, uh, yeah, we, we definitely need volunteers and would welcome any body contacting us. I suppose that's something somebody could do if they're still furloughed and they've got um, some time on their hands, isn't it? You are allowed to volunteer when you are furloughed, that is correct, yes. Hope it all goes well on Monday, welcoming your customers back. We'll give them a warm welcome, albeit a slightly COVID one with with, um, hand gel and stuff, but yeah, we'll (laughs) give them a warm welcome. (laughs) Now, throughout lockdown, if you've been walking a lot, maybe you're starting to get a little bit bored of the same walks. Of course, we're fortunate to have some amazing waterways and countryside nearby. If you'd like a bit of inspiration for some new walks, head to colnevalleypark.org.uk. They've got pages of circular walks to enjoy on there. Fiona Brewer is project manager at the Colne Valley Landscape Partnership. The great thing about the Colne Valley Regional Park is we've dotted circular walks all around the park. So you're allowed to venture a bit further afield now, aren't you? You can go and explore an area that you haven't really gone to before. One thing I've noticed, a lot of people don't realise the Coal Valley Park goes all the way down to Staines and they don't even really realise there's things down there that they could maybe go and explore, like in Harmsworth and, and along the along the River Thames, you know, in, in Staines area, and vice versa, that they don't really think about Whitmansworth because, because the park is long there's actually a lot of different areas that they can go and explore and discover. They all have their different types of landscape as well, which can be quite interesting. What's what's nice about the circular walks is they can give you that variety. 
Staying with the outdoors, the Iva Environment Centre are launching a birthday party package. Of course, the last thing you want is to be clearing up in your own house after a kid's party. So why not head over there? Emily Hurst is the Environment Centre's Educational Officer. After Easter, we're going to be launching our birthday party experiences. So up until the 17th of May, we're running kind of a smaller birthday party for up to 15 people. So that's adults and children. And it's a chance for our kids to get outside, have a bit of a birthday celebration with a few of their friends and their parents. They get to get, have a little birthday cupcake and we can do activities like fire lighting and shelter building or doing some pond dipping and mini beast hunting, kind of those really fun activities that's quite fun to do with your friends. After the 17th of May, because obviously we're trying to stay in line with the restrictions that are coming out, we will be opening up to larger birthday parties, 20 to 30 people, all outside again as well. And what's the rough prices for the birthday parties? So the smaller ones for up to 15 people, it's a £200 all-inclusive for the two-hour session and that's exclusive use of the site, lead activities and a sort of snack break in the middle provided by us. That sounds great. Now imagine living on the canal on a houseboat. Have you ever wondered what that would be like? Well, let's find out. Leslie Doveton is a local yoga teacher living on a houseboat. Bembo Moorings is where I live. You go down Bembo Way and you go over Bembo Bridge and then you come to Bembo Moorings. And it's a moorings of about 23 boats on the Grand Union Canal. So it's right on the edge of Cowley, I would say, like Little Britain is on the edge of Cowley. And I moved here in 1985, my husband and I, and we brought up our two children here who are also in their 30s. So it's, it's been a fantastic place to live. It's a bit unusual living on a houseboat. I do get house envy sometimes, that's for sure. But it's been great here. I imagine it's a great place to spot nature. Now, of course, it's springtime. And so there's a lot of wildlife out there. So you have the swans and the ducks. Sometimes we get the canopies, not so much this year. And of course, it's that season, mating season, everything. So it can really be, even in the middle of the night, it can be quite loud because ducks can be quite aggressive, you know. And so that happens at the moment. That will be happening a lot with those beautiful mandarin ducks that we have here. If you came down to the canal, you'd see them. They're these beautiful, they're the male ducks, beautiful colour. So we, we see those quite a lot. We have the parakeets, which everyone around here seems to have now. Just the difference, because we had to go out so much, walk outside, is really seeing the seasons up close. It's been quite incredible, really, because we're not, you're not going anywhere. So you, you tend to be travelling around, walking around the same areas. And you think, you, wouldn't you, that if you walk around the towpath or Little Britain or the Cowley Rack, you would think it's just going to be really boring after a while. But it never stops changing. It's just beautiful, really. And of course, now you've got all the blossom and everything. So I think with the with the, how it is now, it's quite uplifting. It's just exactly what everybody needs right now. When you're here, when you come around here, and this is a lot of people say this to us, they cannot believe that this is like a London borough. They can't even believe that the, these places exist because they're right on the edge of London, you know. After us is the M25, and then you go into all of the shires, you can see somebody once in some documentary called this Edgeland, 
Edgeland is like, in Cowley, it's like being reclaimed for local people, really, which shows you what you can do. Um, because it was gravel pits originally, Little Britain White or gravel pits. And when they had obviously exhausted it or didn't want to get the gravel anymore, then they filled it in with lots of rubbish. Around here, there's rubbish tips for London. And so they filled it all in. Obviously, it filled up with water. And then you have this Little Britain. It's very popular. People around here are very protective towards it. And you have a most fantastic nature reserve now. And you would never, you know, quite believe it, really. And I gather you're also involved in um, leading some yoga classes as well near there. Yes. Most of my yoga classes that I've been teaching have been in this area. So Hayes, Brunel. If I can walk there now, because I'm in my 60s now, uh, if I can walk somewhere, I, I rather would. So I've been doing a couple in the park. I'm going back to doing two or three a week in the park soon. And where can we find information about your yoga classes? Is there a um, is there a website or a Facebook group? Yeah, yeah. I, I have a website and all the information about my groups and WhatsApp groups and my Zooms and my live sessions are on that. And it's under my name, which is Leslie Dovson, L-E-S-L-E-Y, Dove, as in the bird. LeslieDovetonYoga.com. Mainly yoga, breathing, meditation. It's not weird. There's nothing weird. It's just just normal sort of healthy exercise, really. So the next class I'm starting up in the park, 7th of May. It's a Friday morning, and it's going to be called Friday Morning Fitness. So that'll be Friday mornings in Cowley Rack. Usually I let the first one go free and then I charge a fiver for people. Cool. And you'd say if anybody doesn't know Little Britain Lake, then definitely check it out and head down there and go for a walk on a on a Sunday morning. Yeah. Well, uh, I would take in Cowley Rack as well. Cowley Rack, then you can go off over the bridge at the small shovel and then you go down into Little Britain that way. I, to me, it's all of the same because it, they're either side of the canal and then, of course, you have all the rivers that go through Little Britain. So I would definitely take in Cowley Rack. It's a beautiful park. Have a look at the boats along the canal. Make it a big round trip that goes through Little Britain and then comes back to the canal. And as I say, even people who've lived in Hillingdon were unaware of this space. You know, maybe are. maybe some people will say, don't let them know. We'll keep it quiet. I don't know. You know, it's very, it's very beautiful. Thanks, Leslie. Now, something that seems to have become really popular during lockdown is gardening, with people investing in their outdoor space and chatting to local garden centres, they've been really busy too. But what should we be doing in our garden at this time of year? Let's chat to Warren Reeves from the Ricelip Central Horticultural Society. What's going on at the moment in your garden, Warren? Well, personally in my garden, you're battling with cold nights and warm unseasonal days really the other last week we had 23 degrees last night we had minus two so those are the sort of drastic changes in temperature which are no good for plants at all uh, certain plants anyway this time of year i'm always telling friends and family do not be tempted by garden centers selling you nice pretty seedlings and bedding plants and things for your hanging baskets and containers because what happens is, is you get them home and unfortunately they're hit by a really bad frost and you'll be finding yourself revisiting and buying them all over again. So there's an old saying actually, which is uh, don't cast a clout until May is out. And what it refers to is the Mayflower, but actually it also equals to the month of May. So I always wait an, at least till the beginning of May before I 
plant anything at all. And sometimes I wait till even the May is gone. We're into the last few days of May. What you'll find is if you put things out too early, it stuns, the cold weather stuns them and they take weeks to recover and have any growth and develop their roots. If you leave it till later on when the warm nights come, they'll work twice as quickly and uh, grow twice as fast than if you'd put them out earlier. So those people leaving it very late to put their plants out and their bedding out, their results will be greater than the person who put them out May, March or April. So that's one one little tip. Covering plants as well at night time due to this really cold spell we're having at the moment, such as the young shoots and buds of wisteria and things can be frosted, but you can't really cover a whole wisteria because they, of course, can go around houses and roofs and everything. No, that could be tricky. It's essential that you cover small items in the garden that are budding freshly um, and any frost will damage uh, because it will affect the plant for that year. Many plants are hardy, such as hydrangeas and uh, azaleas and things like that that are hardy. Some items are very tender. You'll probably notice this time of year lots of hellebores. Now, hellebores is a very hardy plant, very hardy perennial. They usually suffer by their flowers flopping down in a very cold spell usually right down to the ground. But once the um, frost has gone and the sun's out, they'll come perking back up again. So things like that are hardy, but certain things like fruit trees as well. I've got some dwarf and pixie fruit trees in my garden, which are very manageable and they're in blossom at the moment. Any hard, cold wind or frost will damage the blossom and obviously restrict the fruit. But if you're able to wrap them in fleece, this will prevent any damage from winds and frosts for the year hopefully these cold nights will stop soon and we'll be back to sort of above five six degrees in the evening time which will be better for everything the vegetable patch as well you've got potatoes this time of year putting in your earlies at this time of year the potatoes need chitting which is a procedure you use to bring on the green growth i use egg boxes to put them in in a warm dry area with light and they'll start sprouting, and that's called chitting. And then you can put your potatoes in the ground once they've begun to produce those green sprouts. It usually takes three to four weeks. Mine are ready to go in, but I've held back because of the cold spell. But I'll be putting them in maybe in the next one or two weeks' time. So that's your early potatoes, such as your charlottes and things like that. But, yeah, apart from the cold weather, uh, managing other things in the garden at the moment, generally tidying up. Mulching is very important if you want a fantastic garden, making sure that you use a good, nutritious covering for your borders, such as mushroom compost, spent mushroom compost, mature horse manure. Mulching does a few things. It retains moisture, prevents weed growth, and feeds the soil and give nutrients to the plants. But when you mulch your garden, keep the thickness of the mulch reasonably thick, otherwise it's pointless. So I'm talking maybe three to four inches of mulching on top of your borders. The other tip, or one of the questions I should say that a lot of people ask me, is how do I stop slugs and snails making holes in their hosta leaves? Um, I think if you go to any gardening talk, it's the one question that will come up every time. Basically, you can't. (laughs) They will go for hosta leaves. But if you're somebody like me that I'm afraid to say I do use slug pellets, it's the only way to stop them, um, unless you're out there pulling them off all night long with a torch. It's best to pellet early on. So you may see your hostas aren't coming through at the moment, or the, the buds are really, really small, just poking through the soil. You must pellet now otherwise you'll get the very small slugs and snails 
chewing away at those tight buds. And what happens is you end up with a lattice effect because if those buds are nibbled at all, when they start opening up, you end up with this fantastic-looking leaf with lots and lots of holes in it. Um, so that's why it's very important to slug palette this time of year. And may, you may, may not see the slugs and snails at all, but I can assure you they're there slightly, maybe underneath the soil, protecting themselves from the cold nights. And if you don't protect your plants early on, then it's too late. And when those leaves start opening and those buds start opening up, you'll find that they've already got holes in. So make sure you treat the slugs and snails by pelleting early on. So that's a few things, Steve, that I'm doing at the moment in the garden. Any, anything coming up in terms of the Horticultural Society? Are you having any or will there be any events coming up soon? We've suffered badly, like everybody else, due to due to COVID. So all of our meetings have had to have been postponed. However, we have got a few things coming up. Actually, what we normally have is three shows a year, which take place at the Great Barn in Ryslip. We are hoping for the autumn show in September. We usually have monthly talks from professional experts from around the country come and talk. Due to COVID, we weren't able to meet, but since then we've had Zoom talks, which have been very successful. Many, many people, actually more than came to the hall, have been coming to the Zoom talks. We've had some fantastic speakers. Last couple of weeks ago, we had Anne Swithenbank, who features in Gardener's Question Time. She's a television presenter. We have a website, if I may mention that. Of course. Yes, go ahead. Um, it's ricelipshorticultural.org.uk. But if you Google Ricelip Central Horticultural Society, the website will will come up and all of our talks and our bits of information that we have are all put on the on the website but yeah we will be continuing our monthly zoom talks until we can get back together again at the hall and uh, see each other face to face some great advice there and hopefully we'll persuade warren to come on each month with some gardening advice that's all for this month but do get involved with us if you're involved with the local society or group or have any news to share If you've got a story to share, please get in touch. Email studio at uxbridgefm.co.uk. We're on Facebook and Twitter at uxbridgefm. I've got to say a massive thanks to local radio legend Chris Allam. She helped put this together. And to local musician Luca Nieri, who kindly let us use his music. Also thanks to London Media Lounge in Uxbridge. They have fantastic facilities for podcasting, video production green screen check them out at londonmedialounge.co.uk take care hope to catch up with you next month i'll have a lot less hair by then